Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. How? What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, folks, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucking icks? What the fuck is Shuganas? What the, I gotta do the Jewish one. Come on. Gotta do the Jewish one for the Jews. Are you feeling atoned? Have you made it right with God? Is everything, have you cleansed your soul palate, Jews? Do you do it on a day-to-day basis? Are you, have you been written in for another year? That's the big mystery about Yom Kippur. And, you know, no coincidence, I was born on the eve of Yom Kippur. And I try to bring that up every year. Because I think it makes me special. I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. Welcome to the show. Harris Whittles is on the show, the uh, the creator of the humble brag hashtag and Twitter handle. Also a writer for uh, for uh, Parks and Rec and a stand up comedian. Interesting guy. Always wanted to talk to him. Always thought he was funny. Didn't know what was going on in there. So we had a uh, we had a nice chat. Chat about a lot of stuff. But Yom Kippur, the eve of Yom Kippur, Kol Nidra, the holiest eve in the Jewish religion, a night where people are busy asking God, please, I've been bad, but give me another year. Could you could you just put my name down, Marin Party of One, uh, to live another year? Would that be all right? What do I got to do? What do I got to say? How much do I got to pray to get my name on that list? Are you the door guy? Look, here's a couple bucks. Will that get me in? Will that get me on the list? How much do you need? What do I got to do to get a guarantee? Wow, that's what everybody wants, isn't it? Come on, just give me give me a little more time. Huh? So many things left undone. So many things to apologize for. So many things to to feel. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. True atonement. That's a tricky business. So I hope uh, those of you who engage with that kind of thing uh, did it. You feel clear. You feel good. You had a good break fast and everything is okay with you. Uh, What's going on with me? Well, I'm going to be in Rochester, New York this week, Saturday, September 21. I will be at the Rochester Fringe Festival in Rochester, New York, trying to avoid a garbage plate. Tuesday, September 24th, I will be at JFL 42 in Toronto, just for laughs, 42 doing two shows up there in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. October 4th, the Los Angeles Podcast Festival. A lot of good stuff going on there that weekend. Uh, Come out for that. And October 16th, I will be in San Francisco in conversation with Adam Savage. So that's what's going on. You can get all of that at WTFpod.com slash calendar. You can also know who's been on the show if you go to WTFpod.com slash guide. Here we go. The cat. People wondering about the deaf black cat who I believe lost an eye. Well, I couldn't take it anymore. He was breaking my heart, showing up on my deck. And then he showed up and his head was inflated. One side of his head was grotesquely disfigured from swelling. And what I thought was a a missing eye filling with pus and goo. And it was breaking my heart. You know, and you got to say like, well, what's going to happen? Is he going to die out there? What am I going to do? I'm going to go get a trap. So I went and got a trap. A uh, have a heart trap. I talked to somebody about it. I think I might have mentioned this before. He said, well, you're, you're probably just going to have to put it down. Why? Yeah, but he, he seems chipper. He's cleaning himself. He's just got a, a head full of pus and maybe a missing eye. And then there's part of you that thinks, well, he's in the wild. Either it's going to go one way or the other. 
Either he'll survive it or he won't. So I got the trap and I put the food in the trap and I waited and he wouldn't get in the trap. And I thought like, God damn it, this kid, this guy, this cat is smart. He knows better. But I just don't think he sensed that that was how you got the food. And eventually after a couple of days of wrestling and thinking like, well, I guess he's just going to have to live through this or not. uh, I led him into the trap with a trail of food and trapped the little guy. And that's interesting when you trap a cat that you can't touch because it's the first time you can look at him up close. And I got right into his little disfigured face and tried not to scare him because I love this guy. He's got a rugged disposition, a real lust for life, a real persistence. I don't know if he would call it a lust for life, but I think he's a fighter, obviously. It might just be that survival wiring that keeps pushing animals that don't think about their sadness onward it's a great thing about survival and animals is that you know once once that kicks in with an animal all they want to do is live they're not burdened like us humans where we're pressed to the wall and we're like oh maybe i don't want to maybe this is too much <laughs> they you know uh they don't they don't do that that's the gift of the animal that's why we love them they just keep pushing we associate personalities with them we take in their personalities We project our own onto them. They represent something to this. So I trap him and I look at him and I see that like, oh my God, there's still an eye in there. His eye is in there. Something happened to his face. I didn't see what it was, but it was all swollen and abscessed and leaky. But his eye was in there. Thank God. Because I thought I was going to have to drive this thing to the vet and have him put down because the vet was going to talk me into it. He didn't do that. I, I think in some part of the vet's heart, they think like, what a good guy. But you know, somewhere else in the vet's heart, they think like, I can run a few bucks through this cat. This cat's a this cat's a little cash machine, and that's I don't think that's necessarily bad. You know, the 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 veterinary profession is what it is. But uh, I like I like this vet. So he said, "Look, you know, uh, I, I I know you like this guy, and it looks like he's got an abscess. Why don't we uh, Why don't we clean him up, drain the abscess, keep him over the weekend, give him some IV fluids, give him a little flea bath, see if he's been neutered or spayed, figure out what's going on with him, give him a blood test." clean him up and give him back to you looks like he's still got some mileage on him and i'm like that's great that's great and i started to get all weepy you know because we started talking about that that you know the the way you love an animal is so much different than a person because of the dynamic of the relationship you know they're not (laughs) they're not going to hurt your feelings you know the it's all based on you know what you've attributed them how you've how you've uh, anthropomorphized their their personality to to fit with yours and what they represent to you and how you take care of them. They're not going to tell you to go fuck yourself. They might disappear, but they're not going to be passive aggressive or hurt your feelings on purpose or blame you for things. But I like this guy. I like this little deaf black cat and I'm glad he still got his eye and I hope he survived. So I took him to the vet. I left him there. They're going to give him a tune-up, and and later this afternoon, I'm going to pick him up, and hopefully he'll be okay, and I'll release him back into the to his home, which is somewhere around here, and hopefully go on feeding that little guy for as long as he lives. And that's the story of the deaf black cat as it stands now. I will let you know what happens when I go pick him up. Okay, let's talk to Harris Whittles. Harris Whittles. I'm, um, I, I should say I'm allergic to cats. Are you really? But I didn't think I was on the tier 
of people that you you come to them mm-hmm. that's like reserved for well, your they, judge. I don't your... I don't think that uh, <laughs> what's reserved for either very old people right or or very busy famous people exactly no I mean I'm I none would, of that no I would have come I mean, <laughs> if it, if, but also I wanted it to do it like proper. No, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I appreciate your respect for um, the for the ritual space that is a garage. Yeah, this is huge. How how allergic are you? I mean, like, I, well, I I, I have like uh, probably an hour before my um, system collapses. Not really. It's I'm gonna get itchy in the throat. That's it. Do you feel and it then, now? No, no, I'll be fine. Really, for I took a Claritin. Wow. Yeah. Do you have other allergies? Uh, no, it's like really just cats. And 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 your but your throat doesn't close up. It's not like a nut allergy. No, it just I get very itchy and my <laughs> nose starts running. It's unpleasant. <laughs> Fucking poor Helms couldn't breathe. Yeah, I remember that. And I kept pushing through. I know I, he had it worse than I do. He was horrible. Poor guy was wheezing, and I just sort of like I haven't gotten what I need yet. I know we're gonna no, keep plowing through here. I went to the store and I bought Claritin, and I always I get paranoid when I buy Claritin because I think that they think I'm using it for meth. Or is something. that a meth thing? I thought that was Sudafed. I, I don't I don't think Claritin is in the family. Well, of- I think Claritin D has the uh, ephedrine in it. Oh, I also it, it's funny that because do you have of, to sign for it? No, well I just got the regular Claritin, oh, okay. not, right. not the D. All right, all right. But uh, you get the, if you get the D, you get jacked up though. You get the little extra added. Yeah, exactly. The benefit. No, I'm more of a downers guy. I don't like uppers. No, no. Well, yeah, uh, really? You just like to, yeah. No, <laughs> no blow. No. Uh, what no, happens I, to you? Do you become annoying? I had like one bad experience with blow <laughs> when I was in high school or like coming out of high school. That was it. Yeah, it was a really bad experience where I, you know, me and my friends just decided this is the night that we're going to do it. Yeah. We're going to go crazy and we're just going to do rails all night. Yeah, rails. And and um, it was also one of those nights where, like, I ended up liking people that I just would have never, like, even oh, yeah. the dealer that came over. Oh, sure. Who was like, can I get a, a, a serrated blade for this, cutting it up? And I was yeah. like, man, you really know what you're doing. That's yeah. really cool, man. <laughs> and... uh and then I went home at like seven AM. I was I was living at my parents' house for the summer. Yeah. And uh I thought I was dying. I, yeah. I was sure that I was dying. Oh, along with I, your heart pounding. I couldn't pounding. sleep, heart yeah. pounding, and I was like, oh, this is actually a drug that people do die from. Sure. Not, it, it's not in my head. People do overdose. Yeah. Went downstairs to my parents' bedroom. My dad's a doctor. Oh, I good, woke yeah. him up. Yeah. I said, I'm gonna level with you. <laughs> I did a lot of blow. And I think I'm dying. And he was like, you're not fucking dying, man. Take a NyQuil. <laughs> and I think I just needed to hear it from a, an MD. And I was fine. Oh, yeah, So we both have the benefit of relatively cool parents, apparently. Yeah, they're cool to an extent. They're they're cool now that I've, um, you know, that I'm doing okay. What kind of doctor was he? Well, he, he's done it all over his long, he's 70 now and he hasn't retired yet. Yeah. And um, because he'd go crazy. But he's doing um, occupational medicine now. So he does, he takes care of like companies and um, like chemical plants. And he just wrote the book on like trucker safety. Really? Yeah. So um, trucker safety. Trucker safety because they have a lot of issues, those guys. It warrants a whole book that they're, how fucked up they are. What, hemorrhoids and? Hemorrhoids, backstuff, drugs, you know, doing speed to stay up. Uh, all that. So he's he's created the 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 the, the definitive text mm-hmm. on you know how to you know troubleshoot a trucker body. Yeah, and I mean, take I, care of it. Pretty much. Uh, I mean, we're in good with Teamsters. Like I, we could have someone knocked off. I think, <laughs> which is a cool feeling. 
<laughs> and I guess on sets, do you drop his name a bit? You know, when you're shooting a show yeah. with the Teamsters, yeah. you got something to talk about? Like, oh, you, you're Allison Whittle's kid. <laughs> who hasn't read that book? <laughs> we all know that. I don't book. know who reads that book. That book I... saved my ass, literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of, was he, a G, uh, GM or uh He was an internist for a while, and then he taught for a while at uh, Baylor in, in Houston. And you grew up where, in Houston? In Houston, yeah. You're Jewish? Yes. Jews in Texas? Yeah. There was a lot of Jews in El Paso. Was there a lot of Jews in Houston? Yeah, in Southwest Houston. It's called Houston. That's what it's called. It's clever. <laughs> by, the, by the non-Jews? Yeah. Um, <laughs> they kind of, they make us all live there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm sure just horrible uh, housing as well, right? You're yeah. Just, you're ghettoized, I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it must be just We well, have to wear a star. It's fine. <laughs> you make it work. Yeah, I mean, the jobs were there. You yeah, know what exactly. I mean? Yeah, exactly. So you were bar mitzvah in Houston. So I was bar mitzvah at Emanuel in Houston. Yeah, um, you were born there in Texas. I was born in Oklahoma City, where wow. my dad's from. And then when I was one, I packed up and moved to Houston. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I mean, was the family with you, or was just no, something... just me? I just, I just you had enough. Yeah, you just hit the road, man. <laughs> Texas seemed like the right thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the thunder weren't there yet, so it was. Yeah, there was nothing there. For yeah. Me. yeah, okay. So wait, Oklahoma. That's another like I can't imagine. Why did he come from Oklahoma? How did that happen? I don't know. You don't know? I really don't the, know the, why there was some Western expansion Jews that you know ended up in Oklahoma. Yeah, I really don't know. I gotta, I gotta talk to him about that. I want to do one of those interviews with my dad where I, um, you know, fill in all the gaps. Yeah. Well, you better, I mean. You I know, know, 70. You should probably, I, I think I want to do that with my dad. But yeah, I think that the reason we, we stop ourselves is, you know, some of those gaps, maybe we don't want to know those gaps. Oh, for sure. Are your parents still together? They're, they're still together. It's another reason I was nervous to do this show. I don't have a lot to complain about. <laughs> you don't have to complain? Well, yeah, yeah. it makes for a good episode. Yeah, but I'm sure you do have things to complain about. <laughs> I could complain, but I have a, I've had a pretty decent life. Yeah. Um. Wait, yeah. Who, do you got brothers? I have one older sister. She's teaching uh, theater still in Houston. Yeah. Yeah. She's the the good kid that stayed behind and talks to my parents. Oh, you, you don't even talk to them anymore. I'm just riddled with guilt constantly about, about what? not not talking to them enough. And and so you and that guilt propels you to continue not talking to them. Like it's like now it's too late. Yeah, exactly. And now I'm just have to wait to wait for a holiday or a yeah. birthday. It's just a real. They think that I'm a lot more busy out here than I am. They think that I, you know, showbiz or whatever. Sure, you got. You're I'm not fucking show. doing anything. They can call me whenever, and I, I'm really I sit at home all day. That's your job. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I'm staffed on a show, then it's different. But I'm on a three-month hiatus right now, and I literally do nothing. Yeah, is weed involved? Weed, uh, oxies. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Oh, good. Whatever's around, just not blow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's good. Just sitting there banging oxies with the bottom of glasses yeah, and snorting exactly. that shit. Yeah, watching some television. Love it. So when you were in, uh, you, if you grew up all in Texas, I have to assume that it was relatively challenging. I want to project some sort of tension into your life sure, growing up as a, as a Jew in Texas? Was there a fight to be fought? Uh, not as a, a Jew, but as like a um, a short, um, funny kid. Yeah. Yeah. Was it short a problem? When you're growing up, it's a problem. <laughs> I wanted to do all the things that my big goy friends were doing. I joined the football team in seventh grade. Yeah. It was miserable. Yeah. Why? They just wouldn't... I mean, I could get... If someone pushed me, I'd get the wind knocked out of me. Yeah. 
Uh, the helmet was too big for my head. I, yeah. I, I kept slipping. Yeah. They finally got me in on the last play like Rudy. They all <laughs> demanded that I got in for real. Yeah. And then um, the quarterback missed the snap, and I, I never got to run it. <laughs> But I'm glad because I would have got, I would have died. Right. Yeah. But, you know, you had the moment, you know, you got to take the field. Yeah, that's true. I so took the field. a team support there. Yeah. yeah. Was that the. the... Uh, it was a pity play. Uh-huh. Yeah. And before that, were you just, were you always a jock guy or did you have other interests? Yeah, I, I played, I played baseball a lot and tennis mm-hmm. and um, I was fast, but I was small. Right. And, um, and then at some point I, I chose uh, theater. I started doing plays and shit. In in high school? In middle school, in sixth grade. I was Oliver, well, seventh grade. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And then I was Nathan Detroit and Guys and Dolls. Really? And then I went In the to musical? The, yeah, in the musical. And you then, danced a bit? Oh, yeah, did all that. Uh-huh. And I was like also the, you know, kind of in like the cool, like, I was in like a gang of friends essentially. Right. We were, we were like delinquents, like in the movie Kids. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and it's hard when you, um, are trying to be intimidating and menacing and then you have to do Oliver in front of the kids that you're sure trying to be cool with. Yeah. 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 And then you have to, can so I have some more, sir? Did yeah. you do the accent oh, and everything? Yeah. Yeah. I did that. Oh, so you might as well have been sucking a dick up there. Exactly. <laughs> it didn't do much for me. <laughs> And this was in middle school? I was in middle school. And then I went to HSPVA, which is like the theater school. It's like the art school. In you Texas? Know? Yeah, that Beyonce went to. Oh, really? Yeah. Was she there when you were there? She she left right... She was there when my sister was there, so I knew her, and she was awesome. And she was always Beyonce, like, even then. Really? Yeah. Like, you just... Everyone's like, oh, shit, that, that that's going to be huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was never a question. And yeah. then, since I went to high school for theater, it was really like I might as well have been sucking a dick. Mm-hmm. So you just had to lose those friends, right? All yeah, all my fun friends. The, yeah. yeah, they were they all, abandoned you. They yeah, like, they all went to the the fun, you know, <laughs> public high school and did the kegger thing. And I went the more uh, mushrooms LSD theater route. Uh huh. Yeah. So you did some exploring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You took it out there. Did you go out onto the Texas highways? Oh yeah, yeah. Just yeah. high as fuck, <laughs> listening to Meat Puppet songs. Absolutely. Well, toadies, Meat Puppets. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Who the toadies? Toadies were from Tyler, Texas, and they yeah. were they were pretty big, and and they kind of re- reminded me of the meat puppets. I just talked to uh, Kirk Kirkwood actually. Oh uh, yeah, the Saint Louis singer from yeah, the Meat yeah. Puppets. He's pretty trippy. I didn't realize that. Um, like I was just out in Austin, and I don't know why I got into my head that I was going to interview him, mm-hmm. but I did. And you know, I know enough of their music, but it took about an hour, you know, maybe forty five minutes. Before I somehow or another, because it, it was surprising the type of background he comes from. He's very eclectic, and he was just playing, you know, shitty cover music when he first started playing. Right, and he's pretty open-minded about music in general. And then when I brought up the dead, it was like something just blew open in his head. And in the way that he's in a like, good way, yeah, he was like, yeah, they were essential. I That's mean, like, awesome. Yeah, and then if you listen to their music, you can really sort of hear the spirit of it, mm-hmm. that he was just sort of like, we're just in it for the jam, and you know what type of music we're playing is not really the thing. Right. It's really getting to this other place. That's cool. I, I Maybe I should revisit them now under with those new goggles on, because, yeah, before it just seemed like kind of a shitty 90s alternative. They definitely get more psychedelic. Also... Um, Butthole surfers. Oh, so yeah. that weird kind of anarchic, you know, yeah, balls to cool. the wall. Yeah. Yeah. You're a psychedelic guy, right? You do that fucking podcast. Well, yeah, the fish one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I can't do psychedelics as much anymore. I think I I just started 
all that shit too early. I think you get like 10 years of that in your life before you turn your brain to mush. And my 10 years just happened to start at like 14 and then- What was it, acid? It was ecstasy, acid, pot. I started smoking pot when I was 12. Yeah. You know? And um, so I think my like adolescence was- that whole phase was just too early for me. And now I go to fish shows and all my friends are doing ecstasy and I can't do it anymore just because I don't have the serotonin to, to give up. <laughs> You're concerned. Yeah. But but at the time, well, I mean, I don't know if it's that old. I mean, I grew up in New Mexico. I think that we got started on shit. I mean, if you're if you're a drug guy, you're a drug guy. Right. Yeah, I mean, if you're doing that shit in high school, you're doing it in high school. Yeah. And it's probably a benefit that now you're like, you know, I, you know, I know what it does. You yeah, know, exactly. I'm, I'm not sure I need to feel all wobbly. And, yeah, you know, I at, don't need it at, anymore. At, at, in my late 30s. Yeah. How old are you? Well, uh, about to be 29. That's it? Yeah. Oh, God. You thought I was in my late 30s? I don't know what you are. <laughs> I appreciate the honesty. Well, you you know you're yeah, you, yeah, you've, yeah. you've entered a timeless zone right now. Well, you I'm ever... I'm completely uncastable really? for that reason. Yeah, yeah. I I, I have a stand up bit that about how I look 25 and 50. You know, <laughs> so you can be cast anywhere in between. I guess it's off putting. I think. But what was your experience with hallucinogenics? I mean, were you like at that time? What were you chasing? Were you just chasing like, fuck it? Or were you chasing enlightenment of some kind? I mean, what was um, the angle? I think I've always done drugs recreationally. I don't, in therapy, we try to, you know, um, no therapist believes that anyone just do, does drugs recreationally, that it's always an escape or that there's always some something, you know? Recreation, exactly. I think it's recreation, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who, if you're watching a movie or playing a video game or taking mushrooms, yeah. it's all the fucking same. We're all yeah. just- yeah, trying to distract ourselves from. Yeah, so they they always approach it as like, well, there must be some underlying problem. Yeah, that you're but trying no, I just over. really liked acid. It yeah. was just yeah. really fun to laugh for eight <laughs> hours at nothing. And when you got into therapist, they're they're trying to yeah kind of pull something out of you. Yeah, like, well, yeah. what are you trying to hide from? I, I really think I might be an anomaly. Uh, no, I, I think you're right, though. I think it's the level escape that becomes the issue. Right. It's like if every waking hour, it's like, I got to get out of me. Right. Uh, you know, then yeah. you, you gotta, but that's not it. No, you're I, just sort of like- just fun. Yeah, it's, let's, go, uh, let's go to the amusement park. We're in Houston. You know, you're underage, you're, so you can't go to bars. We can hang out in a, a laundromat for four hours and laugh. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> and watch clothes tumble why not yeah there's something beautiful about yeah, it of course <laughs> the right drug yeah. yeah no i find a lot of peace of mind in watching my clothes in a laundromat dryer Do yeah you? yeah yeah i mean I, I i think i've talked about it before there's something about it especially if it's a shitty laundromat mm -hmm. and you're on the road and you just you know like I, why are you oh, at a yeah. laundromat yeah why well, gotta wash these fucking clothes right you know so you're just sitting there with like whoever else is there and you see that big dryer yeah and there's something it's like i'm doing things and you have yeah. to be there for yeah. until they're done yeah because you don't want some fucking homeless guy to come in and take your pants exactly so but there's something about watching clothes tumble that's very meditative mm -hmm. it's like i'm working right now <laughs> this is, i'm gonna be folding those right and, and right I, exactly. it's like I'm, I'm gonna start fresh in a matter of hours <laughs> i'm gonna have fresh underwear where else did you trip um i mean laundromat's good but you know well i had a a bad trip in Madison Square Garden. That was like three years ago. Oh, so that was the end of it. It sounds like that was that was the last time I've tripped. Yeah, and it was at a fish show. How'd that go bad? Uh, well, I I had an epiphany about how like it, when you're tripping, you don't need to watch something trippy because it's too much. <laughs> so, which goes back to the laundromat 
a theory. Yeah. So right. I was watching fish and all the lights and everything. Yeah. Plus I was tripping. I was yeah. like, this is just too much. Just the world is just a yeah, yeah. bunch of colors and yeah. I'm scared and I can't think. <laughs> and my friend was like, we just have to get ice cream. He yeah. got it in my head that yeah. that was our mission. Right. And then and when you're tripping, it's like you lock in. It's like that is the grail. Yes, exactly. It's going to make so, everything okay. And it did. It does. It worked. <laughs> all, ice cream yeah. always. Almost yeah, yeah, yeah. On whatever state of mind you're in, yeah, that makes you feel better. So you were panicking. I was panicked. And then we walked out and I ran into Bart Coleman. Yeah. And he was having a bad time too. <laughs> and Maybe uh, it was the show. It <laughs> at fish if you're ha if you're freaking out that means it's a great show oh it does that means they've hit something in your soul that that the therapist know. clearly couldn't find yeah exactly <laughs> um I can never listen to the song way the same way really again yeah I just remember that moment every time but then it was fine I went back in and where'd and, you find ice cream uh just one of the the shops oh or, okay yeah yeah, yeah all right yeah. so you went out to the top well because like you're you feel trapped in there like i i asked the guy if i could go out for a second for some air and just come back in because usually i've also realized that you have to be outside if you're tripping that's you, i agree 100 percent. yeah don't it, like you know and, and preferably quite honestly during the day day trips were the my best. favorite yeah at a park yeah nothing but great yeah. You know, with nothing to do. Yeah. You drop the shit, whatever yeah. it is, mushrooms or acid. Mm -hmm. You feel it come on. You're like, let's head out. Yeah. And that's all, that's the whole plan. It's a great adventure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Everything becomes loaded and just you and whoever else is tripping. You're just standing there looking at a rock, you know, and people mm -hmm. are walking by, but you're like, no. Oh yeah. You, yeah. Got, you got it all figured out. <laughs> yeah. And then thinking that everyone knows. Yeah. yeah. Well, you got to avoid that one. Yeah. No, I've had like, there have been moments, uh, I mean, it's been a long time since I've done any drugs, but I had a couple of bad trips where, like, there's always the, the, the worst trips are where you're like, I got to take more. That, you know, like, yeah. Like, w w the, only, the only way out is deeper in. Well, or else, like, <laughs> this is not strong enough. Hasn't kicked. Oh, right. Like, where you jump the gun on oh, how long Oh, man, it takes. that's the worst. The worst. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. like, you know, what's happened is it just hasn't kicked in yet. So yeah. now you're going to fucking shovel a bunch more mushrooms into your face. That's a bad, bad mistake. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, an, it's an amateur mistake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I had one, yeah, I had a bad trip at a Jerry show uh, where I really. Jerry Garcia. Solo? Jerry, yeah, solo. Yeah, yeah. I, like a bluegrass type thing? Like No, it was, I think it was a Garcia band. It oh, was, that's cool. Uh, you know, um, and it was, you know, probably in the early 80s, mid 80s in Boston. That's and when they think they were playing their best. Yeah, no. They I, said they, they found their their peak at, in the late 80s. I saw them in, uh, in 84 in Worcester. Mm -hmm. And I had a pretty good trip, but my friend didn't, and I, I abandoned him. There was nothing I could do about <laughs> it. Like, you know, that was, a, that was a fucking bad, that was a bad run. I drove down with this guy who thought he was going to get a ticket. And we dropped the uh, fucking mushrooms before we went out to the arena where he was going to score his ticket. And he didn't score his ticket. So oh, now no. He's, he's all jacked. And I'm like, I got a ticket. You're just going to have to ride this out. Dude. You know, I'll hook up with you later. I don't mean to be a dick, but... That's, no. Yeah, I did that to my friend at Hampton Coliseum in Virginia uh, in 07. Yeah. Did you? Did he? It was Fish's comeback him? show. <laughs> We're still okay. <laughs> that was crazy, though, because I bought a ticket for him. Yeah. It was, and it was uh, their comeback show, so they were expensive. It was like a $400 ticket yeah. for this one show. Yeah. And it was a fake. Yeah. Oh. And I, I called the guy who I bought it from, and, and uh, he was a large uh, African American fellow. Uh huh. And but you had his number. I had his well because I was like, "How do I know this is real?" And he goes, "I'll give you my cell phone. You, you know, call me if it if it nothing if it doesn't work out." Yeah. And it doesn't work out, and yeah. I call him outside the show, and 
and uh, he says, "I'll come meet you there, man. I'm I'm as pissed as you are. You know, whoever I got this from is dead." Yeah. And uh, and I'm waiting outside, and of course he doesn't show up. And I tell my friend, "I I got to go into the show, man. I I flew to Virginia to see this band. I yeah. can't hang out in this parking lot with yeah. you." And he had already taken stuff too. Yeah. And I went in and had a show, but and, and had a great time. I felt a little guilty, but the caper to the story is Miami two years later, and this is in Miami at a fish show. Yeah. That was in Virginia. Yeah. I see the guy who, who sold you? me the fake ticket. Yeah. And I'm like, holy shit, what do I do? I'm alone. And and I'm like, I, he's huge. I can't, so yeah. I don't know. But yeah. something came over me. I went up to him and I was like, hey man, you sold me a fake ticket two years ago in Virginia. And he's like, no, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. Took out my phone, called his phone. It starts ringing. And he's like, oh shit, man. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Here, take a ticket to tonight's show uh, for free, yeah. gratis. Right. Like, All right. And then, of course, that one's fake. <laughs> but what I do is I find his partner. Yeah. Because I noticed that he was talking to a guy. And I sold that fake ticket to his partner. No, you did For an not. inflated price. You did? Yeah. And I was like, so that was some sort of justice that I got. So, oh, so he thought he was so getting- So he a... thought he was buying a real ticket uh-huh. from a real fish fan. Yeah. I was like, I, I can't make the show. Yeah, I maybe go. you could move this for me. Yeah. And so he paid me like 300 bucks for it. Yeah. And then I was like, yes. Yeah. And I got in. Anyway, that was the greatest moment. And did you call the guy back and go, fuck you? No, no, no. But I do have, I did leave like mean voicemails on that guy's- why did he give you like his real cell phone number? What a fucking that's yeah, a, that's the hilarious thing about it is that I he know. obviously wanted to continue the charade somehow. Yeah, exactly. Like, what was he gonna like? He's he's gonna do customer service. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> a horrible thing that that's happened. His, it did. It worked. I mean, I bought the ticket. It gave me peace of mind that he gave me his real number. Well, scamming hippies is like you know, there's some evil fucks that do that. I and there was one a guy we picked up. My brother and I drove from Tucson to uh, Anaheim to see the the dead and Dylan. In 19, holy fuck, I don't know, 87, 88. Mm -hmm. I don't know when that tour was, but I know I wasn't living in L.A., but I was just out of L.A. And uh, so it must have been, shit, I don't know. Yeah, probably 87. Mm -hmm. So we drive, and we're getting there, and we pick up some hitchhiker who's obviously going to the show, this little fucking hippie dude, but not really a hippie. He just, you know those dudes, that, like there's something wrong with them. <laughs> yeah. They're like, you know, I'm going to the fucking show. It's like, we got a weird attitude right, about right. about this whole thing. It's like, no, fuck you, man. I love the dead. Right. You know, like they're, they're, they're into it for the wrong reason. Something, yeah. you know, but we did give him a ride and we ended up, you know, letting him stay in the hotel room. And, and he just sat there and he ripped up, you know, match, you know, he took a book of matches and started ripping up little pieces of matches. Mm -hmm. And he's going to sell them his fucking acid. Really? Yeah. And then he had a bag of unidentifiable pills that were, you know, cold medicine. Right. That he was going to sell his other shit. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. And we're watching this. And I'm like, what the fuck is, you know, what are you? He's like, fuck you. And I'm like, uh, evil fucking guy. That you sucks. Know? Yeah. His name was Eli. <laughs> <laughs> Eli the evil elf. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. yeah. Just an ripping anagram off, almost. Just ripping off fucking hippies. That's a bummer. Did you ever get into the dead? Um, well, to be honest, like, I love what the dead are about, and I like reading about them more than I like listening to them. They don't have enough bite for me. They're mm -hmm. a little mellow, and I know that there's probably some stuff out there I could hear that, that gives me but, what where, I want. But by the time you got into Fish, they were already probably done, really. So, I mean, it but wasn't... Yeah, they, because, yeah, Jerry died in, what, 95? I got into Fish in 99. Oh, so, like, it wasn't even an option. 
Yeah, it, yeah. Like, because I'm like, I'm 49, and by the time I started seeing them, I lived with deadheads in, I don't know, 84, 85. Right. And, you know, there was a thing. Because you were a San Francisco guy, right? No, I was in Boston. Oh. But these guys were, you know, I was in college, so they were all into it. Right. And, you know, I'd like them a little bit. I mean, I saw the Grateful Dead on the Terrapin tour when I was in, like, ninth grade because mm-hmm. my dad was friends with a promoter, but I had no idea what the fuck I was seeing. Did you? And it was probably one of the best, it was probably one of the best times to really see them do all of Terrapin. And, like, I was like, <laughs> when are they going to play Casey Jones? <laughs> that sucks. You know, so I'm just sitting there with no knowledge of the dead on the floor, yeah. like, ninth row, right. wondering why they're taking so long to tune up <laughs> and when does something happen and what the fuck is this music. So you didn't have a great time at that well i one. just didn't have any context right but where did you get a sense of like i want to know what all these people are loving well, yeah about i mean this. i i, I want to be on the inside well, i was gravi- i've always gravitated towards the hippie sort of thing when i was younger i thought like they seemed to have something figured out you know there was that whole world of music mm-hmm. but i there was no way i was going to lock into you know something without hooks right you know i just right. wasn't you know i wasn't broad enough yeah, and the you, you dead know. doesn't have great hooks to me. I like Casey Jones. I, I, I mean, oh, yeah, it's a great I'm a song. very like surface listener to them. Yeah, right. I like Eyes of the World. I like um, they got a lot of great songs. Yeah, they do. Like um, New Speedway Boogie or whatever that is, and Box of Rain. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah and Broken Down Palace. Broken yeah, Down Palace. I, I, I like all that. I those just, two studio records are great. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah and they put on a good show. But I yeah. mean, they sort of invented that. That they laid the yeah. groundwork. I have all the respect in the world for them. I have no idea what Fish does. Zero. Uh. Well, they 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 take the dead, but then they also take um, a lot of like you know Boston or Journey or a lot of funk, a lot of jazz. Then they just all they have a lot more influences. The dead's influences were like blues and jazz, pretty much. Well, the dead's inv- the dead invented something exactly, and and they but, they invented it at a time that was crucial in American absolutely, music history. and it's great. But then Fish, you know, got to stand on the shoulders of, of giants. Yeah, and, I'm not I'm not criticizing them. Yeah, it's yeah. just like by the time you know Fish came along, I was like done with that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I understand. How old were you when he went to, into the Fish world? Fifteen. Went to my first show. So you were so that was prime time. Yeah. So you were like a you a, were a fanatic. Yes, I was an un a very moldable piece of clay that just needed something. And you would follow them around. Yeah, once I could, I followed them around. Yeah. How many shows did you got under your belt? Like in the eighties, I think. At yeah. this Point. Yeah. 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 They broke up for a lot of my life. Were you mad? Yeah, I was lost. <laughs> I followed the string cheese incident around for a summer to fill that void. And I don't even like them. I'm sorry, man. This must have been a rough time for you. It was, but now they're back. But Trey's sober now. Yeah. Is that a problem? Yeah, it's a big problem. Why? Listen, I, I love, I'll always love Trey, but they've stopped like jamming a lot. And I think that they were a band that was founded in, on drugs. Yeah. And... When the lead guitarist gets sober and, you know, Tube, yeah. which is a great song, yeah. used to be 15 minutes, is now three minutes. Yeah. What's going on? <laughs> Bring the drugs back. They, 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 I, they all, the mathematics yeah. is simple. There's bumper stickers you can get in the lot that say, keep Trey sober. Yeah. And as I don't know him personally. Yeah. So I don't really care if he's so, I, you know, he. I know him in the context of he plays my fucking crazy music. Yeah. So yeah, let's bring it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, this is supposed to be a, a risky business. You know, and if you're not going to push the envelope, yeah. you're a fucking astronaut, man. Yeah, you need to go to the moon. <laughs> if you're tired of going to the moon, 
Maybe you should teach or something. Exactly. I don't know. And you know, you got sober, but it probably helps your. It helps what you do because your spo- your job is to communicate ideas. Probably yeah, easier at, at a reasonable space. Yes. You know, with the that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, so. at a reasonable pace. And, yeah. You know, not, you know, there's timing involved. There's something about music and about certain drugs that kind of turn off. You know, uh, 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 you know the noise. You mm-hmm. know, and you can just sort of lock in yeah. and ride that thing. Yeah. You know, they, you know, once something becomes kind of methodical. Or, or kind of like, uh, you know, package or let's get through this or yeah. let's be more responsible. Yeah, turn off your critic. You know? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, once, you know, that goes away, you know, I guess the adventure is gone or the ability to walk into it. I, th- I find that I have uh, more freedom of mind without that shit. Uh, but, like, you know, I'm not a musician. You know, right. it's just a matter of getting comfortable. Right, I, exactly. I, but uh, do you, well, how do you work? Do you work with drugs? Um, well, hmm. Well, I mean, do you like? I, mean, I sometimes I I like to, um, you know, I'll write a first draft of something sober, and then like what a, a Parks and Rec script or a Sarah Silverman script, uh, or, or like movies or whatever I'm I'm writing, yeah, and uh, and then maybe get high and and read it, you know, from another perspective and see. Mm-hmm. It's it's literally like you get to be another person a right. little bit. I need a second set of eyes on this. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Mine, yeah. The second set of eyes is dumber. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but maybe the audience there's some some weird jokes that you find that you wouldn't have found otherwise, and they hold up. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So how did uh, you know going back to okay? So you're 15, you do the fish thing, then you're lost. It's a difficult <laughs> time for you. Then fish gets back together, yeah. but you're a little more judgmental and it's more expensive. Yes, and <laughs> and. And then, but you're at the performing arts high school. Yeah. So, what's the transition to doing stand up? When did you start doing that? Uh, when I was 18 at Emerson College. I. Oh, you ended up at Emerson? Of course. Huh. I, what drove you there? Which, um, which, which graduate of that program made you go there? I talked that... to one person, one friend of mine from Houston, her, whose name is Dana, and she went there and she said she loved it. And I went with two of my buddies. She said there was a good comedy scene in Boston. I knew that's what I wanted to do. I was doing a lot of sketch comedy at the time. In at the in, performance art high school? No, in Houston I would we would rent out theaters and put on shows. And sketch was the thing. Sketch was the thing, yeah. There was a crew of you? Yeah. Yeah. And how'd that go? We were called uh Will Act for Food. Uh huh. Waff. Waff. It's embarrassing. It's and all that, embarrassing. And what 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 venues were still around in Houston? Did you go see comedy at the, at that place where I used to work? Laugh stop, man. That's my whole life was was from twelve on I would get into the laugh stop. I saw I would go see Hedberg, I saw Louie, I went up to Louie after a show and, and critiqued one of his jokes when I was fourteen. I yeah. can only imagine how angry he must have been at me. <laughs> Which uh, joke? I I can't remember it at the time. What year was that? Was it more? Was he more sound oriented? Was <laughs> it before? He, that uh, was um, when I was fourteen. That was ninety eight. So oh, so he was still like you know I'd rather pay for that like this. Yes, that was like waving the peach. Yeah, I have a peach. Have a peach. peach. Yeah, Look yeah. what a fine yes. peach it is. Yes. So so that was pre it was, uh, married Louis pre exactly. uh, you know life experience Louis exactly. really it was just good solid weird absurd jokes, jokes. Yeah. yeah and uh, so go see him and Hedberg you don't and remember Mattel. the joke I don't remember the joke at the time 
Um, I performed there. Did you know the owner, Babbitt, Mark Babbitt? Babbitt got me my job at the Improv. I was the door guy at the Houston Improv, and it was because of him. Yeah. Yeah. Are you still in touch with him? No, I I haven't talked to him in a while. I wonder what happened to him. Because, I mean, he, you know, I played it a couple times when he was the guy, and then, uh, well, wait, did you see Hedberg when all the shit went down? Was that the time you saw him? Yeah, before that even. Right, but I mean, was yeah. that a, a, you, were you at that show when he ended up busted and shit? Oh, no, no, no. I wasn't there. But, um, yeah, Babbitt, and then that weird conservative guy took over, and it got a little different. Yeah, yeah. And then the improv came in. Yeah, exactly. But you spent a lot of time. You watched Dave Attell. He was one watched, of your guys. Well, when I was at the improv in Houston, I, I saw Stanhope. I was 18. Yeah. And... um. And I got to see Stanhope for his whole run, and it yeah. was kind of like life changing for oh, me. Oh yeah, and why? Uh, uh, well, he was—I forgot what what um around what time or like what material he was doing, but I had just never heard someone be kind of like a a prophet as well as a stand up or something. Right. It was just much more important, right, than I had ever heard before. Right, right. It felt important. Yeah. And and there were only twenty people in the audience or whatever, and I was like, "What the fuck is happening? This guy is a genius, and no <laughs> yeah. one is watching this. Yeah, this yeah. sucks." Yeah. Um. And then in that summer, they gave me my first paid stand-up spot opening for Bobby Slayton. Bobby Slayton, the pit bull. Sure, he's great. Yeah, and um, I uh, he was also amazing, and uh, yeah, there's definitely a work ethic to both those guys. Absolutely, yeah. I remember I had a bad set, and um. And he walked, and I was bumming out in the green room. And he walked up and he said, "What's what's the problem?" And I was like, "I just feel bad about that set." And he's like, "Hey, what, are you gonna be a faggot? You're gonna go out there and do it again?" And I was like, "Yes, yes, sir." <laughs> and that has stuck with me. And um, but also, Jim Short That's was t- the tough feature. Love, tough it was love, tough love, but it worked. Yeah, Short. Yeah, him Short. and I used to be good friends. So he was the feature, and he he couldn't he didn't show up one night. Really, I had five minutes maybe eight minutes yeah and he didn't show up and the owner said you got to do 30 up top and i i was just i was telling jokes literally from like that i had heard in eighth grade i mean it was it <laughs> yeah. was hell that's a that's a but you learned how to do some time didn't exactly you? yeah yeah crowd work that's yeah. that's when you learn to do that yeah how'd no that... one wants to hear crowd work from a fucking 18 year old how'd though. that go though it was a nightmare yeah i mean it wasn't a good set um, how, how did Bobby react to that one? He actually respected that. He, you know, yeah, I did the time. I filled the time. That's yeah, because he didn't want to do an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. And, and he didn't. You know, he's Bobby. He can follow anyone. Yeah, he yeah. Wants. He doesn't care. Yeah. Um, and so that's uh, a good baptism into uh, into. Yeah, stand-up. it was rough. Um, but my first like real stand up set just at at um one of Dick Doherty's the Beantown Vault in Boston. That was comedy my vault, first. Yeah. yeah, the Comedy Vault. And I had a good set. Yeah. And, and you know. If, this was after a, that, though. This no, is when this, you were in college, no? This was, um, this was before that. That was, uh, I'm trying to think of the timeline. I was doing, that was my, yeah, because the improv was my first paid spot. I remember that. Right. So that was the summer when I was 19, I guess. Oh, so you already been to Boston. Yeah, I'd been to Boston. Came back. And came back for, and was working there for the summer. Right. Yeah. Okay, I get it. Yeah. So when you went to Emerson, what, what was that like? Uh, I mean, like, had you been to Boston before, and like, were you? No, st- I, well, I, yeah, I'd been with my family once, but uh, but you were you, you got into the comedy program. What does that even look like over there? Well, there's no real comedy program. You hear that 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 Emerson. It's basically like there's 
a lot of sketch troops in like that's the equivalent of like a football team like right. there's like 10 sketch troops and right. and that's the thing there yeah you know yeah and you all put on your show and it's very um competitive and whatnot yeah uh emerson really helped me just meet other comedy people right uh, I, there's not they didn't really teach me there was a comedy class by mike bent there I think Mike Bent, boy there. scientist. Yes, exactly. Sure, I, yeah. I, I remember him. So he when taught I us. Comedy. <laughs> yeah, there's. So there was a sketch class there <laughs> that he. Who taught. were the other guys I used to work with that are? Well, Ron Lynch taught the sketch class before. Sure. Yeah, Ron Lynch. Um, and then, and also, uh, Rick Jenkins was nice about putting Emerson kids up at the studio. When that was that was new. That was that scene was not around when I was there. Uh oh, right. Well, yeah. one time it's funny because Rick Jenkins came up to me after I came to just watch uh, Joe Mandy do a set uh, and because um, we were friends and and he, Rick Jenkins came up to me after and went you really fucked me on time tonight and I went I didn't I didn't even go on tonight and he just to uh, yeah, I was just a Jewish Emerson kid we were just all this <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah. same to him yeah, but yeah. I just remember that <laughs> yeah but that's where you really started doing stand-up that's where i really yeah and then in the summer and winter i'd come back to houston and do the laugh stop open mic so i was kind of raised in both scenes I right think. but you were that was what you wanted to do you were a stand-up i was a stand-up and now i'm not um i haven't done stand-up in like a year yeah and you know a lot of people think that uh you had once you're a stand-up you've got to be a stand-up but Really, I just want to make comedy. It doesn't matter to me how I do it. If it's stand-up or writing, it doesn't. Well, I think that's a fairly mature disposition that must come from your well, thank you. healthy upbringing. Sure. Yeah. No, because- like, A lot of well, people are purists. Aren't You're kind of a purist. Yeah, I, I, I am. You and sold but, out and got a TV show. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> finally. Yeah, I sold out at right. 49. Yeah, what an asshole. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, uh, no, I didn't think that was going to happen. I But when I talk to people who ask me about that- you know, I say like why, like I say exactly what you just said, but I had to come to it, you know, through years of fucking struggle and failure. Right. When some guy comes up to me and says, I want to be a stand-up. I'm like, well, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> you know, if you figure out how yeah. to, if you figure out how to be funny and, it, you know, you figure it out on paper, there's a lot of options. Exactly. You, you know, and, and the truth of the matter is like everybody, a lot of the guys I started with were obviously more mature than I was and realized like, well, I'm never going to be a big stand-up. Uh-huh. I'm going to be a showrunner and make more money for, for life yeah. than a stand-up ever makes. I kind of had that shitty epiphany about, like, I, you know, I, I would go, and I did Montreal, and I would do all, but I would, I was never a splash maker at those festivals. Yeah, me neither. I was always a, a you know, a problem that seemed, <laughs> you seemed to be doing something different, but it, Well, it you mean you finally yet. got to give the keynote and stuff, you're, you know. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, but it was like the way I would do it, like, yeah, devoid of laughs and there was crying in it. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, once I finally got accepted on my terms. <laughs> you go up there and, and, and you reap. Yeah, yeah, you gotta reckon with that. But, you know, I, I, I'm, I wasn't like Mulaney or Hannibal or, you know, and, and I was, Featuring, I never really became a headliner, and I never really established my voice or something, or mm-hmm. never felt like I did. And we're well, a joke guy, right? I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, that's where you get joy out of writing jokes, right? I, I yes, yeah. Like you know, because like people like Hedberg, people like uh, Attell, you know, are certainly like they have a point of view, but they are you know the premium is on mm-hmm. the joke, right? 
And yeah, in in the writer's room, I think that that's my forte is is the jokes, is punching stuff up. Yeah, and yeah. That, like that's never anything. You know, I could use that. I mean, are you busy? <laughs> <laughs> if you, like if if I was a smart guy, mm-hmm. like you know, I I just did two hours, you know, to get an hour, you know, fifteen or hour and a half right. for my special. But like I will really just move through shit and you know just find the laugh organically. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I would have just said, "Hey Harris, you got an hour? Could you take a look <laughs> at this?" You probably could have saved me a year. <laughs> that's true, but that's that's not, uh, <laughs> that's not how that's I not do your it. Thing, that's, yeah. yeah, I'm an idiot. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, because like you know, because like I'm not uh, I'm not narcissistic enough to like you know if you would have done that, yeah. and people would say like so the special, I'd be like yeah, I mean a lot of it was Harris and uh, you know, we we don't write your own stuff. No, I just had him you know look at some stuff and right. but he helped me structure it. So you didn't really do your work right. at all. Well, it was more collaborative. Like why are we even doing this interview? You know, I don't. So I'd rather just you know fail on my own terms and you know drag That's somebody into very it. Very noble. <laughs> so uh, really, so you never you, when when did you come out here after college? Right after or what? For my last semester of college, I, I interned at a uh, Comedy Central. Oh my God! What was just that? Just living like? at the Oakwoods, and uh, someone else just mentioned that place. What uh, is that place? The Oakwoods. Yeah, there's a great documentary you should watch on it about called the Hollywood Complex. It's yeah. a place where like a lot of um, people stay for pilot season. Basically, right. it's a lot of kids. That's what the movie's about: is uh-huh. these kids who come out with their with their parents. Yeah, and um, and so yeah, it's just a weird place that is pretty much only inhabited by pilot people seeking pilots or cocaine dealers right uh or has-beens or has yeah i think so yeah yeah, yeah i heard that's right i can't remember who was telling me about yeah, it yeah it's a weird vibe but right. i didn't know that at the time because i this is my first time in la it was just normal to me yeah but um yeah so i was doing the comedy central thing what which your... almost kept me from getting my sarah job i feel like what was your job over there um i don't it was kind of nothing like uh i'd answer phones and watch South Park episodes in the vault. Mm-hmm. That wasn't part of it, but are you amazed at the consistency of that fucking show? Yeah, it's 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 like comfort food to me. I know that if I watch it, I'm gonna like I'll feel what I feel every time I watch it. It's it's bizarre that that how how they really remain relevant and and yeah. and the writing's always sharp. Yeah, it's crazy. and they're you know they they're the only show that really thoroughly satirizes things. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing. Uh, yeah, they don't. Well, sometimes you're like, I don't even know what the fuck this is about, but you know it's about something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you but, never tried to get a writing job over there? Uh, at South Park? Yeah. No, I it never it never happened. But I know I have friends that did, and and it's tough. I know you go on that little retreat, yeah. you know, for like a week, and then if you aren't good at telling them stories and making the group laugh, then yeah. you're out. Like it's like a audition, but uh-huh. it's supposed to be a fun retreat. Where is it in Colorado or I think something? It's in like Hawaii or uh-huh. something. Yeah, that's the audition. You go that's, to Hawaii. That's basically it. Yeah, you hang out with Trey and those guys. And they staff what once a year or something? Yeah, basically. Uh-huh. But you know, people. That's a crazy turnaround. Like, yeah, I mean they they let go of people a lot. Right. Yeah, and I I imagine like a very scary place to work. Well, I mean, it seems like, but those people usually go on to do other things. I mean, yeah, it's a great. You, you know, great I imagine the, the turnover resume. is. You know, they find people that are fanatics for it and get it mm-hmm. and then just steal all their hungry youth juice. Yeah, basically. And then you know, send them out into the world to get their heart broken. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would have loved to, to work on that show. I just never, I also would have loved to work on SNL, but I ended up coming out here and getting staffed. 
So how did that turn? How did that work out? How did you get uh, the 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 first show with Sarah? Show? Yeah, that was Sarah. I mean, I owe it all to Sarah. She gave me everything. You know. What, what was that? What, how did that work? I was just doing stand up at Largo on the same night as her, and and uh, she a couple months later emailed me and said you can submit to the show if you want. Yeah. And I did, and I got it, and I was twenty one, and and it was mind boggling. Yeah. Yeah. Why? I mean, because I was still such a fan. Yeah. Uh, of comedy I, or of, of her? Comedy, I, of her and specifically. I mean, I I saw her move Jesus Magic like three times in a theater. Yeah. I brought my parents to see yeah. it. And then two years later, I was working for her. It was yeah. just very quick. I didn't have to eat shit out here for very long. Right. And um, well, I think that if you're if you're talented because of how diversified the business is and you know how close comedians are as a community and certain types of comedians, mm-hmm. that if you're if you're good and you have something, I, oh, I, I still don't think. I mean, I still think I'm a fraud. I think. Well, I'm I'm sure you are, but I mean, <laughs> you know, but you know, eventually you learn to keep that to yourself, like every other right, asshole in right. the city. <laughs> what does that even mean, though, Harris? I mean, what is well, it, it means that? that I got my job based on one stand-up set. And then all, if you get a job in L.A. writing for something, you can get the next job. You can stay in it just because of the last thing you did. Yeah. And, you know, I write scripts for other people's shows that are uh, made by a, a panel, mm-hmm. a, a committee. And so I still don't know if left to my own devices, I could write something good. I don't right. know. I just, I'm always in fear that... that oh, so I, I see. So you do a first draft that you think is fine, and then they go and rewrite it. Right. And then your your name sort of stays on it, yes. and you still stay in the game. Yeah, but the truth of the matter is, when you see written by... No, I, I just learned this on my show. Yeah. It was an amazing thing to learn. Yeah. That, you know, the whole, the pattern of it is like, you know, I came in with nine of the 10 stories. Mm-hmm. We all, you know, there was four of us, you know, uh, there was a show running team and another guy and me. Mm-hmm. We broke the stories. We outlined the stories. We said, here, you go Did write it all these. together. Yeah. Yep. And then you go write this one. You go write this one. So you all go write your scripts. Mm-hmm. And then you look at them again together. Yeah. And, and then it goes you punch the, it up. The group. And, and then you yeah. go send it off to the network and to the uh, production company and to the studio, whoever's involved. Mm-hmm. They have notes. Then you all adjust to the notes. Yeah. You could you could go 30 years in this industry without writing a word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's natural to feel like a fraud. No, but 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 in the same way you're saying that you know you can do comedy anywhere, you know what jokes are yours. I mean, yeah. eventually, you know, whatever the final draft is, you can sit there and say like, well, this is my story, or those yes, are my jokes, which I do. Yeah. Well, how loud gonna... to other writers? You should. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's hard not to. That, I mean, that's the the trickiest thing about seeing other people's names on on you know TV shows. Uh, just because they got the script assignment, it's a it's a guild thing more yeah. than anything else. Absolutely, and I I get I, it's such a pet peeve of mine when I see a writer on a sitcom say, "Watch tonight's blah blah blah." I wrote it. Yeah, I'm like, you didn't fucking write that. Don't yeah. take credit for that. Right? How do you how do you live with yourself? That's what I'm saying. They give up the fraud thing and they realize this is the way the system works. Right. I was given this script to write. Mm-hmm. I wrote it. We all rewrote it. Uh, you yeah. Know, uh, the first joke is mine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and right. you know, this is the way this works. Right. Well, th- so I understand that. I, I I have the same type of feeling. I think I'm funny. I I, I don't really think I'm. I mean, no. I I know I, what you're I, saying. Yeah. Yeah. I, you're not saying that you're a fraud in that you're not funny. Yeah. You're saying that because of the way the system works, uh, you, you feel like you may get undeserved credit. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. That should keep you going for a while. <laughs> That's self-hatred. and you Which know. I guess is 
with stand up, that is the the great thing about it is that it is you. you yeah. Know? No one can take that away from you. That's you right. You wrote that shit. Well, unless you didn't write that shit. Yeah, but also you're also struggling against your influences and, you know, whether or not mm-hmm. someone's doing a similar joke or, yeah. you know, like it takes a while to break through to, you know, what where you can actually say, well, if someone else is doing an angle on that, fuck it, I'm not going to do it anymore mm-hmm. or my angle is so personal. You know, it's a whole other trajectory. Well, that's the thing now with Twitter and all that is like... It's all disposable, it's, dude. It's all disposable. Everything's been done everyone's making the same joke it's it's really it's really discouraging well that's why i sort of retreated to not talk about shit outside of me that Mm -hmm. like if my my experience has to be relevant because it's the only thing i actually have yeah so that's what i'm putting out there right because then i'm not going to worry about like oh is anyone doing the joke about me you know (laughs) (laughs) and if they are yeah then then i have to yeah right but similar experiences you know, also happen. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fucking brain bending. Yeah. And, and and also people taking ownership of experiences that are general. Like everybody now, because of Twitter and everything else and YouTube, you know, thinks that they, you know, they own, you know, it's like, yeah. there's still common experience, dude. If there's fucking, you know, 20,000 of us dumping garbage into the internet every day, mm. you're going to, how can you even accuse anyone of stealing exactly. after a certain point? And I think that there's much more... In writers' rooms, at least, what I've noticed is, uh, you know, I used to be like, ah, we can't do that joke because that was on. Right. Stella did that right. or whatever. Right. No one, I don't do that anymore. I don't think anyone gives a shit because there's so much that you just have to keep your head down and not worry about who else has done it because uh, there's just too too many mediums. I got an email from a guy who watched a promo for my show. Mm-hmm. There's a scene in my show where I go up and I order a triple espresso over ice from a barista. The guy goes, we don't do that. I'm like, what do you mean? He says, well, we don't put it over ice. It's, you know, it's uh, the integrity of the bean and whatnot. And I'm like, all right, well, give me the triple espresso and a glass of ice. He says, I'm not doing that. This happened to me in, <laughs> at a coffee shop in New York. Yeah. And, you know, it's my experience. So I get an email after a guy sees it in a trailer mm-hmm. and, and says, uh, hey, I just want you to know, heads up. You know, I wrote a piece about uh, ordering a triple espresso over ice. It got a little traction. Uh, I wrote it on my blog. And then I talked about it. It's here on YouTube. And I'm like, dude. Dude, it's obviously not an unusual experience for certain coffee shops to have that policy. That's crazy. And it's like, and then, and then at the end of it, he says, uh, "This is also my writing package. I, I think we think alike." And I'm like, wow. "You have some balls." Oh yeah. You, you know, like you know. Do you hire you, the guy? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I mean, it, it's just one of those things where it's like, it's a general fucking, you, you know, it's like that's the interesting thing about certain comics, you know, about certain people that are compulsive-minded people, you know, like Louie. Or like, you know, making the decision to talk about your life and stylizing it in a certain way mm-hmm. is that, you, you know, you you have to insulate your, your your personality has to be pretty fucking entrenched. Yeah. To to not just be at that, that vibration where everything is the same. Right. And everybody's talking about the same right. shit. Right. It's fucking, it's, re, it's relentless. I don't know what we're going to do. I really, I don't know where the need for, you know, the, the, the sort of addiction to content and the expectation for everybody to keep dumping their brain into this shit. I know. I don't know where it just starts to work against us completely. And doesn't it also make you feel like, um, like, you know, the general public is, is kind of just as good at comedy as, as you are? <laughs> I, I don't know. I see, I'm like, the jokes I read on Twitter, everyone can do yeah. that i well, mean jokes that, are jokes jokes yeah. are jokes everyone knows the the formula and everyone's doing it yeah and, i try to stay away from them yeah 
I, but I that's what with. you're saying is, yeah, don't, if you, as long as you make it personal to you, then no yeah, one, even if it's not a joke, there's not a chance that anyone yeah, even else it's, is doing even that. Even yeah. it's like, oh my God, what just came out of my ass? Yeah. Hashtag scared. Right. You know, I mean, <laughs> right. you're better off. <laughs> You but then I mean? it's like you, your life has to be interesting enough to, maybe, uh, to talk maybe. about. Well, what, where did the, the sort of uh, humble brag thing, how did that evolve? Um, you, wrote a, you, you got a book of those, right? Yeah, I, I wrote a book on it and then refused to promote it because it seemed kind of antithetical to the did whole the humble brag so thing. So did it sell? No. <laughs> well, it was number two in instructional books for a week. <laughs> right, next I to your, that. right next to your father's book on yeah, truckers? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> The Whittles guys yeah. owning the charts. Yeah, um, but yeah. like, but like, so you're doing Twitter because you know that you know that was one of those hashtags where I began to resent it. It's like, what now? I can't talk. I, I resented it for you. I mean, when I see people incorrectly call out other people on it, yeah, it's very frustrating. What was the what was the birth of it? The birth of it was uh, very specifically. Well, it's in the book who the first few people were. Yeah. Um, you've had them on the show. Okay. And, um. Who, Patton? No. no, no. <laughs> Who were they? Patton wrote a blurb for it. Yeah. Uh, I think, like, Donald Glover was on there, and, uh, I think who were the earlier ones? Matt Bronger was an early one. You know, people that I'm friendly with. Yeah. But, there is, I don't uh, think it was a, I, I don't think it was a, a hurtful no, hashtag. No. I, I think it's funny. It was completely and it, playful, and it's also, a real, it's a re- I, I was doing that shit. Sure, it's I a mean, reality check in a way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you just put it out there. It just came to you, and you're like, and you, you I, hashtag. Well, I, I started. I I wrote a tweet that was like, guys, if you're gonna brag, please don't be humble about it. Yeah. And then, and then the next tweet was like, seriously, don't humble brag. Yeah. And I was like, ah, light light bulb. Yeah. And then I started, and the account, um, I came up. Yeah, and I just got it. It was primarily started, a re- a retweeting account. It was. It's exclusively retweeting. And then, um, you know, it started getting some traction and then I started writing a column for Bill Simmons on Grantland, which yeah. is that like, you know, yeah. and, uh, and that's where I would kind of do the analysis of them. And then from that came the book mm-hmm. and from that came me being completely burnt out on it. Don't ever want to hear the word again. Yeah. I still occasionally will have someone be like, Hey, can we interview about it? I don't even respond to it. I just can't fucking talk about it. It's done. It's done. Is the account dead? The account's still up and running. Um, sometimes people offer to buy the website cause I own humblebrag.com. Yeah. And I'll throw a ridiculous number at them and hope they do it, but they never respond. Yeah. Just be like, okay, I'll do it a hundred thousand bucks. Yeah. You can have the website. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. No, For right now there's nothing on it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's that, so that's done. It's done. Yeah. I don't, I update it like once every like four months now. And what, and now you're on staff at uh parks and rec. Now I'm on parks. I did eastbound for a little bit. Oh, that's right, man. Yeah. Which actually that exact guitar was my parting gift. When I left, they gave me that guitar. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love that show, man. Oh, I forgot yeah. the, uh, that that was your thing. Well, yeah, I wish it was my thing. I came in season three and got to write. I mean, that was my favorite show maybe ever. And, yeah. And uh, it was amazing. Why? Um, it was one of those shows where I was like, man, if I had the f- freedom to do, that's like exactly what I would want to do when a show. Well, there's only one Danny it. McBride. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, I, I like the... the 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 amazing arrogance of the character that's you know tempered by his complete 
I, I, you know, humility yeah. is a very tricky thing. I can't see anyone else pulling that off. There's uh he's just so fucking likable that he can be the worst human on earth and it's still funny. Yeah. That's, so Larry David can do it. There's very few people that can do it. It's rare. Yeah. Um, that's rare and the true and the real crank mm-hmm. like a cranky the cantankerous guy yeah is sort of a gift you know yeah. those two kind of guys where they're so likable they can be dish but, but it's it's not just likability it's it's they're they're constantly humbled by their arrogance yet they don't know it right and and the cranky guy you know it's very tricky to be a complainer and have it be endearing it's got to be a natural thing yeah there's only a few of those around too is your show kind of have some of that I don't know. You know, I, I'm just being me, and yeah. I don't think that I'm like a specifically defined comedic character. But I think that if you we are, yeah. But I, I think mean, if I, we, yeah. if we look at the episodes, if we get an opportunity to do more, we can go. Well, what are the strengths of this guy? Mm-hmm. You know, in these situations, and how can we write to them better? And I, hopefully, right. I'll get that opportunity. Right. But I don't really see myself that way. I don't think IFC cancels shows. <laughs> Well, I hope you're right. <laughs> I don't think they do. <laughs> they kind of just, whatever they like, they'll leave on. That yeah. and Adult Swim, too. Yeah. They're just like, oh, all right, we like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, hopefully that happens. Um, but, okay, so you came in on the third season, so you were able to work with him, and, and you dug that. But what's your job over at Parks specifically? Parks, uh, now I'm a uh, supervising producer. What does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. It's a difference in pay grade, I think. Oh. Because, I mean, basically the wj makes it to where if you stay on a show for like uh, another season they have to give you a bump in title oh, okay and then another bump in title um that's really interesting really so. yeah all, but we're all the same like when we're all pitching jokes in the room no one's like oh that's supervising producer i better listen to him versus oh that's staff writer i right right cares? right it's everybody all the, just, it's yeah. all the same when sure you're in there. sure yeah. sure the, the, the big difference is like really just showrunners writers exactly yeah yeah and and you, what's your what are you the go to guy for of their jokes? Yeah, I think I think uh, yeah. I mean, I wrote like the first uh, Jean Ralphio scene. I think I'm good at writing um, uh, assholes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not assholes, but just like lovable, do- douchey, assholes. lovable assholes, yeah. douchey guys. Yeah. That's why I had fun writing that. You know, Kenny Powers. Yeah, or, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. And uh, Aziz's character, you know, yeah, it's yeah, fun to write. Yeah. And Andy Dwyer is fun to write because he's a dumb. Dumb is the funnest thing to write. <laughs> I think the key to any, like, just have, just Homer Simpson, anyone in it. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's so easy and fun. Yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not a good story guy, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, As, like, pitching, I don't know what a good, what makes a good story sometimes. I think that's my Achilles heel. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, when you do, are you writing uh, your own movies now? Yeah, I'm writing movies, and um, you know, one one idea that I'll have out of like a hundred will be good or something. Have you sold any movies? I've sold a bunch of scripts, but never nothing has been made. I think one thing is close to being made, uh, so I'm hoping for that. What's that about? Um, it's about um, like a, a Bonnaroo type music festival. Yeah. Uh, that Scott Rudin is is producing, and uh, I'm writing it with my buddy Armin, who I met at Emerson. Yeah, and uh, we're gonna go out to New York and and um, do a final pass on it with Rudin and and. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. He's a big guy. 
Yeah, I mean, it's uh, he's an amazing producer. He's he's very and it all takes place at this festival. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, is it a story based on characters or? Yeah, it... it's all it's. We tried to Days and Confused is like my favorite movie. Really, of all time. Yeah, and uh, why is that? I I because you grew up there. Maybe because there's some Houston love in it, but also I just that ensemble. Uh, I don't know. I, I like that way of of storytelling to follow all these different yeah 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 things, and it's it takes place in one night, and I don't know, it's just it's kind of an Altman incredibly thing. Incredibly watchable. To me. Yeah yeah yeah. So it's kind of that where it's like five friends, and we just follow all their different stories. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's not going to be like the Woodstock movie, right? Well, let's hope not. Near the Ang Lee movie. Yeah, yeah. no, I know which one. Yeah. I mean. It's yeah, hard. It's, I don't know. It's hard to shoot a festival movie just logistically. Yeah, it's weird. I think that, like, you know, you know, sadly, you know, with that movie, it's like, I'm not sure he, you know, out all the stuff outside of the character business, you know, to have, we have, uh, what's his name? Schrimmler? Schrimmler. In yes. the dress. That was, yeah. that, that was not the right choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but in terms of how, the, the, the sad thing about the 60s is that if you do it well, it looks stupid. <laughs> you, you know, like, the, it, it probably was pretty good. Yeah. Well, so this is more about festivals now, how they're not like the six. It's these guys that, you know, want that experience, but now it's all electronic music and ecstasy. It's just a different time. Right. And there's all types of, you know, thing, you know, the convergence of of, uh, the different types of people on music festivals, especially because there's nine stages. Every type of music is represented. And, you know, there's no homogenization to the type of people that go yeah so it's this big clusterfuck of which of, i can't tell if it's a plus or a minus yet i'm, I'm not sure either i i know that i don't go to them <laughs> that the, you you're know, not a big coachella guy no fuck no i you know look I, it might have something to do with age i was never a huge concert guy but yeah. i went to bonnaroo and i did comedy there and i chose not to go back just because it's hot there's no relief from it i oh, did yeah. and i did get you know we did get special treatment a little bit to to see the Radiohead concert yeah but even that it was menacing because yeah we got to stand in an area mm-hmm. you know that wasn't as densely populated and you know you didn't feel like you were going to be trampled was it that vip riser area or was it like side of the stage uh, no it was like in front of the stage but it was like this weird vip pen yeah that you know had to do with uh, a service that people paid a lot of money for to, right. to be on a bus and then they were taking you know we just kind of glommed on mm-hmm. through the promoter into this area but there were moments there where they were opening pens and like just this flood of fucking people i'm like you know i'm I'm almost 50 yeah well yeah, listen i'm 28 and it's a lot i mean it's just overwhelming it was yeah. great to watch and once i'm there i'm cool yeah but the actual from getting from point a to point b not not a good time well you know you can watch all the coachella sets live now on your computer yeah i don't know if that's your thing but there's got to be a few bands that you enjoy stone yeah, yeah. roses or something i don't, I don't know. know them no i, I do enjoy <laughs> that, I, I enjoy I, but I yeah you, i mean literally next weekend you should watch it on your computer are you gonna yeah i did it this past weekend and it was amazing they a band does plays a song i don't like go to the bathroom like it <laughs> to, like, to, uh, <laughs> you know to be able to watch that from your couch why the fuck would you ever go right to a festival ever again? right yeah because yeah. it probably sounds better even absolutely all right, man. Well, I think we did it. Cool. You feel good? I feel great about it. Yeah. It's this. It's a weight off my shoulders to be done with it. I'm glad to. Well, I, I guess that's good. Yes, it's great. All right, man. All right. That's our show. That's Harris Whittles. I hope you enjoyed that. I like that guy. 
All right, go to WTFPod.com. Get all your WTF Pod needs met. Get some JustCoffee.coop. Get that WTF blend. I get a little bit on the back end. Thank you very much. Check the episode guide. Get the app. Check the calendar. Leave a comment. Do what you got to do. I'm so thrilled that you still love my show. I hope everybody's good. I'll see you in Rochester. Maybe I'll see you in Toronto. And, uh, And that's it. Boomer lives! <laughs>